sometimes I wonder why I spent the lonely Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my main man, my partner, my co-host, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, my man? Oh, Foltz, I'm feeling good today. How are you? Feel great. Feel great. Ready to get into this uh, this episode. I'm really excited about it. Um, but before we do, uh, Steve, I, and I know that you have, I just want to ask you, have you ever been in places or, or a particular place that when you go there, it just seems off to you like it did and kind of creepy in, in a way it, it shouldn't but it does i'm familiar with the feeling I, I do i feel it often and um i don't like it yeah it's a it's it's a real creepy feeling um it makes me reminiscent to uh like me and steve we like to go look at uh check out like abandoned places and such like that and hopefully we'll have some videos coming out on that in the future but uh that uh it, it's creepy because you walk in like uh up, like our trip when we went down to uh the old abandoned turnpike and we were walking through there and there, at some point it's just like complete blackness there's nothing in there there should be cars going through there because it's a turnpike tunnel you can see the light way at the other end and like we were talking we we made it halfway and we said, well, let's just turn around and go back the other way because if we go out, all we're going to do is have to come all the way back and we're going to see the same things. It's going to be just as weird. Right. It's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So, well, that's what we're going to be talking about on our show today. Um, really interesting topic. Um, but before I go, there's two definitions that I, that I want to be able to start this cast off with. The first one is called Fernway. And the definition of that is nostalgia for a place that you've never been. And the second one is animoia, and that is the nostalgia for a time that you've never known. Mm, yeah, both so, of those, very powerful. Yeah, like if you'd see a picture that reminded you of like some place in the 80s growing up, if you're you know Gen Xer, that would be nostalgia. Even if you've never been there, you would get the uh, the Fernway, the nostalgia for a place you've never been, and the Animoia, nostalgia for a time. Like people see pictures from like the the Roaring Twenties and like gangsters and such, and be like, "Oh yeah, I feel connected to the fifties when I see those fifties pictures of that picket white picket fence and the the yeah. mom in the apron, the dad coming home from work. I always feel nostalgic for that. Yeah, like June Cleaver, yes, Wally Cleaver. So. uh but yeah, so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about, like what me and Steve were discussing today, uh, or th that we were discussing about the places that we went to go visit, like abandoned places in the Turnpike. And uh, there's a term for that, and it's called liminal spaces. Now, liminal space, it's a concept that's being talked about a lot lately. And if you're like many people, you may have noticed that there are certain places or states of being in which you feel different or off or even uncomfortable. These uncomfortable spaces turn out to be liminal spaces. Now, why are liminal spaces so creepy? Well, it feels like a relic of the past, still haunted by the energy of what was, if that makes any sense at all. In a similar vein, liminal space can invoke feelings of intense nostalgia. They often take the form of an empty or abandoned places 
that were once popular, especially during the 80s or 90s. Chances are, you know the feeling of encountering an environment that feels a bit off, even if you can't quite put your finger on why. Ever stepped into a place where something just feels off? It might feel unnerving, like something should be there, but it's missing. It might not be fully conscious sensation. Instead, it might be a lingering in the visceral part of the mind, a just barely there feeling. Sometimes it passes quickly as a temporary state, but in other cases, it can be semi-permanent characteristic of a certain place. All of the above are characteristics of a liminal space, in between places, not usually meant for anyone to remain there for long. They are usually physical spaces that connect one place to another, such as stairwells, hallways, or even parking lots, especially when they're empty. The concept of liminality has been around for a long time, and it has roots in social anthropology. The term was originally derived from the Latin word limen, which simply means threshold. Liminality was first coined by Arnold van Gennep in his book Rites de Passage in 1908. As the name of the book implies, it is about his observations of the rites of passage in similar societies. Janep observed a very distinct point in time during rites of passage, which is the transition itself between one state to another. One one well-known rite of passage, for example, is coming-of-age ritual, the transition of childhood into adulthood. The liminality is the example in the stage of puberty that occurs between the two states. Other transitional states can be observed, such as graduating high school or moving to a new city. Liminality is pretty broad in nature, but the concept has been explored deeply, especially in anthropology, psychology, and religion. It's even everywhere in pop culture from the Twilight Zone, when when Rod Serling describes the fifth dimension as the middle ground between light and shadow to the Twilight series, where Stephanie Meyer titles each book after a specific transitional point in nature, including the new moon, the eclipse, and breaking dawn. However, liminality isn't necessarily just an abstract concept. It also exists in the physical realm as liminal spaces. Liminal spaces have been trending upward on a Google search since 2020. It's no wonder though since it could be argued that the world collectively went through a transition form, a pre-pandemic era to an era where health and travel restrictions currently exist in ways that they haven't before. As liminal spaces gained traction on the internet, the definition of what such a space consisted of expanded to include places invoking an ominous or disturbing feeling. They often also play on the sense of isolation one feels in the area. The pandemic had, for example, prompted the lockdowns of cities all over the world. It was an extremely eerie experience, stepping outside at any point during the lockdown when the city streets, which had been packed with people days or months before, were now dead and silent and with barely anyone in sight. It's hard to pinpoint why liminal spaces are so fascinating to people. The sense of dread presented by some of these places and reminiscent of the tension in horror movies when the main character finds themselves in a creepy-looking room somewhere. A malevolent being may or may not be there, but not knowing contributes to the creepiness factor. The opposite scenario can also be just as disturbing. If someone finds themselves in a place that was once filled with a lot of people, but is now completely empty shell of its former self. Currently, subreddit liminal space 
is probably the most popular place on the internet for people to talk about such places. In the About Community section, it describes liminal spaces as the time between the what was and the next. It's a place of transition, waiting and not knowing. Liminal spaces where all transformation takes place if we learn to wait and let it form us. The users often share pictures of liminal spaces they come across during their everyday lives. One user posted an image of an empty parking lot next to a hospital in the early or early hours of the morning. The plants in the foreground are dark silhouettes, while the lot itself is lit with a green hue by the parking lot lights. It gives off some seriously creepy vibes, which normally wouldn't be there during regular daylight hours when it's full of people and cars. Steve, what do you think about that? Folks, I'll tell you a story. This, uh, the liminal spaces feeling, uh, I have felt it a lot in my life, but I'll tell you where I felt it the most. All right. My wife and I did a, uh, a ghost tour last year. Right. And in order to find the most ghosts in one place, we went to a battlefield in Gettysburg and it was the biggest liminal space that I've ever been to just getting to where the tour took us. It was a tour on foot and we met in a park, but the park was put on top of a battlefield and it was by a football stadium, which was also on top of a battlefield. And we walked through the park back behind the football station up on top of this hill and around the hill was a set of woods. So the people that were guiding the tour had suggested the hill because that's where a lot of paranormal activity had taken place and they wanted us to have the best experiences possible. They suggested that we stay out of the woods because it was basically a killing field where the football field was leading up to a set of woods where the majority of the young men were running up, up the hill right, and then the grays, the gray coats were in there and they were just thousands of men lost their lives in these woods that were right by the hill we were at. So they said that, you know, the energy was pretty dark down there and that it would be best if we didn't go down into that wooded area. So we stayed up on top of the hill and there was a couple of people that were sensitive that were in our group that were kind of getting hits on these different spirits that were around there but you could feel in the air a thickness of what that place once was just heaviness right and i didn't go into the woods because that guy warned me not to right i didn't want to feel the dark energy i could feel the dark energy of those woods from where i was standing at on the hill and my wife who's sensitive was just out of sorts and really we we toured it we stayed there as long as we could, and then by the end of it, we were happy to walk away from it, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I think just uh, when, when thinking about liminal space, just like recently, like me and Steve, we had taken a trip to uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and in some parts of the casino late at night, like like some of the slot slot machines, you walk through there and there's not like a soul and it looks so weird and creepy to the point where me and Steve were actually playing slots the one day and the machines all around were hitting, you know, and it was crazy. And like everybody was excited and there was like a, you could almost feel it in the air because it just seemed like all the machines were hitting. But later that night, 
we came back down and it had just taken on a whole different other feeling. It was just like gloom. As a matter of fact, uh, Steve was looking for a game to play. And I said to him, I was like, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to get back. I was like, it just seems sad in here. Like none of the machines were like hitting. It was just like a dull, everybody's face just looked, I was like, I got to get the energy's too bad in here. But that just kind of mixed in with like the liminal space too. I mean, casinos can be weird at night. And it's cyclical because four hours from then, as the morning uh, buffet was letting out, those people were hitting the machines and it's right back to the bunch of dinging, bunch of high energy, the service staff's walking around. Does anybody need drinks? And it's right back at it. But you're right. There is a dead spot right around that. Four to six a.m. Yeah. period of time where the only people that are down there don't look happy. Oh yeah, I can remember even commenting. I was like, everybody looks miserable. <laughs> now this next section we're going to get into. We started with uh, liminal spaces because this next section that we're going to talk about is called the back rooms, and uh, it's got a lot to do with liminal space. So we wanted to get that information out first. Maybe you've heard of the back rooms. Maybe you haven't. But the back rooms is an urgent urban legend, and the creepiness describes an endless maze of randomly generated office rooms and other environments. It's characteristic, characteristic, characteristicized. <laughs> my gosh, sorry, people, bear with me. It's characterized. Exactly, it's characterized by the smell of moist carpet, walls with a monochromatic tone of yellow, and buzzing fluorescent lights. Internet users have expanded upon this concept by creating a different levels of the backrooms and entities which inhabit them. The original version came from the two-paragraph 4chan comment on a post asking for quote-unquote unsettling images, where an anonymous user invented a story based on one of the photos. The backrooms drew comparison to various other horror trends in media, including the photography of liminal spaces. The SCP Foundation collaborative fiction project and a six-hour-long album series, Everywhere at the End of Time. Since its original creation, the Backrooms has been expanded into various other forms of media and internet culture, including video games and collaborative fiction wikis and YouTube videos. The Backrooms originated from a thread posted on 4chan board on May 12, 2019, where an anonymous user asked for asked for others to post disquieting images that just feel off. There, the first photo depicting the back rooms was uploaded, presenting a slightly tilted image of yellow-colored hallway. Another anonymous user commented on the photo with the first story about the back rooms, claiming that one enters the back rooms when, the, when they no-clip out of reality in the wrong areas which in a video game-related term originating from Doom for when a player passes through a physical boundary that would other, otherwise block their way. And I've done that. I play, uh, play a game with, with my son sometime, and uh, we glitch out, and you're just in this space that it's like the Matrix. You, you shouldn't be in there. No one else is in there. It's not fully built. Yeah, and if it's a game where, where you're trying to win and take over other guys, it's the perfect place because they can't see you. You're able to do whatever, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. Now, after the 4chan post gained fame, several internet users wrote horror stories relating to the back rooms. Many memes were created and shared across social media, further popularizing the craziness, 
Some have stated that they've seen the image somewhere before. In the, opin- in the opinion of Manning Paston from Happy Mag, these comments are existential, hollow, terrified. Paston commented on the use of the term noclip, interpreting it as glitches in which walls of reality are tor- torn down, such as the existence of doppelgangers. Comparing the location to the level design of the Resident Evil franchise, Caitlin Kubrick of So Mag News calls the back rooms the terrifying creepiness of cursed dreams. The location of the original backrooms photo is unknown, although a number of locations have proposed it. Possible that the image is procedurally, is that right, Steve? Procedurally. (laughs) Have a rough day. Procedurally generated digital composition. The creepiness has also been associated with the concept of kinopegia, kinopegia, first coined in the dictionary of obscure sorrows, the eerie, forlorn atmosphere of a place that's usually bustling with people, but is now abandoned and quiet. The backroom's original concept has been expanded by internet users who have created different levels of the location. There are thousands of levels found within fan-made wikis of the backrooms, featuring different photos and quote-unquote safety classes in a format influenced by the SCP wiki. One canon is that there are three distinct levels. The levels specified in canon include Steve. Level zeros, the lobby. This is the level depicted in the original Backrooms photo, featuring all of the creepy, most well-known characteristics. It's got that moldy carpet, the yellow walls, and buzzing fluorescent lights. One of the entities created by the users for this level are hounds, described as disfigured and manic humanoid beings. Another feature of this level is a no-clip zone, which can bring wanderers back to the Earth's dimension, return them to the starting point of level zero, or to another level with different hostile organisms. The next one, level one, is the... the habitable zone. Habitable. Thank you. Me and Steve today. Boy, tongue twisters. I'm just finishing each other's sentences, huh? A level reached when one chooses not to enter a no-clip zone and instead wanders around level zero for days. It is darker than level zero and features a more industrial architecture with mechanical-like sounds being heard through the place. The level appears to be a dark, dingy warehouse with low-lying fog and puddles of water, which randomly appear in contrast to level zero. The fluorescent lights begin to flicker more frequently, occasionally shutting down completely. This is when the beings come out. God. Now, this next level, level two, is called Pipe Dreams. The third level of back rooms, according to the three-level interpretation, It is one of the darkest levels containing industrial-like architecture. This level appears as long service tunnels with pipes lining the walls. It is described as being reached when one simply wanders around level one for a long enough period of time and featuring a much higher temperature than other levels. Survivors of the backrooms claim that the only way to escape the level is to remain calm, stating that only when the back rooms have become your home can you depart. That's so dark. That one, yeah, that part of it is. And you know what it reminds me of? Uh, level two, Pipe Dreams, reminds me of like uh, where some of the characters in Nightmare on Elm Street would wake up. 
and they'd be in like that pipe, yeah, you know, just like that old warehouse with pipes and water and steam. The, yeah, and the being would be Freddy Krueger, but you wouldn't see him right away. Like he'd be lurking in the back. Maybe you'd see his claws come around the, the or the corner and like or scrape on stuff. I mean, that's just good directing and and, and right there, I love it. So the back rooms soon became popular from writers and internet users, most, most of which commented on its uncanniness. The creepiness has also been cited as the origin and most well-known example of the liminal spaces internet trend, which are photos that invoke a sense of nostalgia, lostness, and uncertainty. The liminal spaces tag has amassed nearly 100 million views on the social media platform TikTok, when a woman named Claire Shulin, who we'll get into more later, found an abandoned mall below her Airbnb. Internet commenters compared her photos of a place to the original backrooms image. The horror aspect of the backrooms drew comparison to theories of UFOs in Area 51, to the filmmaker Stanley Kubrick's work The Shining, to the Minecraft urban legend of Herobrine, and to the 2019 film Us. Its ambiguous rooms has also been noted as featuring similarities to horror stories of the SCP Foundation, especially SCP-3008, a branch of Ikea that contains an infinite interior space within a pocket dimension, and to the vague buildings of control. In January of 2022, a short horror film named The Backrooms was uploaded to a YouTube channel of a 16-year-old director, Kane Parsons, it is presented as a 1996 recording of a young cameraman who accidentally enters the location, running from en entities and entering other levels. The film employs both live-action footage and 3D blender renderings, as well as other techniques to create effects such as camera shake and VHS filter. Categorized by some as analog horror, the short received acclaim WPST contributor, contributor, now I'm speaking a different language, Erica Russell called it the scariest video on the internet, while Dread Central, Mary Beth McAndrews, compared it to the 2019 video game Control, and she watched it 10 times. That's crazy. Somewhere, some were surprised by what Parsons did with what he had. Jay Alexis of website Pop Horror was surprised by the director's age, while the awesomer noted that the back room shows how to create tension without a budget. Boing Boing's Rob Bashiza hypothesized that the creepiness will eventually end up in a slick but dismal two-hour Hollywood movie. Likening this prediction to the Slender Man creepiness and its 2018 film adaptation, when describing a meme of the back rooms, Game Rant's Tanner Fox called the short a paralyzing watch, which packs quite a bit of terror into a short runtime. Now, that first director we were talking about, Kane Parsons, there's a there's a cool video on YouTube where, you know, he's supposedly filming in this low budget movie, and there's some guys that have like a, one guy has like a monkey mask on, and I don't know what the other guy's mask is, but they're just kind of, it kind of looks like they're just standing around waiting for the next shot, where. Then he, as the cameraman, falls backwards into the ground, and you, like you can hear the rattle of the camera and him falling like through the street, and just ends up in the back rooms, and it's just a ter terrifying thought. Like if 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 that type of portal opened up and you were ended up trapped in the back rooms, well, at the end of the show, we'll tell you how to get out of the back rooms. 
Yeah, you never know how you're going to get in the back rooms. You could just be going somewhere maybe you've never been before. You could be going somewhere where you have been before. And just end up getting sucked into the back rooms. I think that one of the portals to the back rooms is in the locker room at Coon's Pool. Right. It's a place where it's the pool where uh, the neighborhood where Fultz and I grew up. And you have to go through the same locker room to get in and out of it, no matter what. There's one for men, one for women. And every time I go through there, I get the creepiest feeling. Me too. It's just like a, it's a bathroom that was probably built in like the 50s. Yes. And it's just wet and, and dank. And forced to go through it. And it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> and like the in and out doors, they have like these curved, curved, like plastic door kind of. They like ripple. And it just seems like. That is where you would. If it wasn't a bathroom locker room, we would uh, we would do some filming in there, but that might get (laughs) us in some trouble. So we're going to avoid that. So okay, let's get back into it. So Parsons has since uploaded eleven other videos relating to the back rooms in non chronological order, as of August twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. They are the third test, first contact, missing persons, informational video, autopsy report motion detected, prototype, pitfalls, report, presentation, and found footage number two. They revolve around the fictional async foundation finding and exploring the back rooms in order to solve all current and future storage and residential needs, with informational video referring to the location as Project KV-31. There are also five unlisted back rooms videos uploaded by Kane on which references the 1989 Loma Permita earthquake. The plot of this series is influenced by other works such as the wikis. Very cool. Very scary. And if you think about it, I mean, if you think about like a company like, or not even a company, if you think about a uh, conglomerate, if you will, uh, of CERN and the things that they do there with, uh, you know, smashing particles into each other at light speed. You know, there was theories one time that doing that could have just blown up the entire earth well if they're building stuff like that what if they're working on a machine kind of like when they were uh, like we were saying in, in in using as storage what if they were able to use this technology to access the back rooms just for like storage or you know shortcuts through the earth and things like that that'd be awesome it would be awesome unless they would start using it as like uh, as as a punishment like uh there's this movie where uh, they, they put this drug into your eye. I forget. I forget what the movie's called, but it's fantastic. And they use it. Spoiler alert! If, well, I didn't give you the name, so. But uh, this 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 drug that they put in your eye. It's eight seconds for you, but it's it's an entire day in your mind, and you like you literally feel like you experience this. Well, it gets into the hands of the government, so they want to start using it for imprisonment. So this girl got like ten years in prison. And they put this ink in her eye that really only kept her down for like 10 minutes. It's called Other Life. Other Life, yeah, very good. But in her mind, and you see what's going on, it's not. It's, it's a back room, but it's a cell. Yes. And it just has the number 365 on it. So I guess she's in there for a year. And it just counts down, and it just gets so weird. And it's really good. Highly recommend that movie. 
it is a good movie. Uh, they they don't just use it for punishment; they also use it for vacations. And yeah, oh yeah, super super movie. But yeah, so but the creator of it, she wanted just to keep it strictly for entertainment and for like you know people to experience different things that they couldn't in a short period of life. Like you could go overnight skiing in the Alps while you're on your lunch break, sitting out in your car or something like that. But of course, the government always wants their hands on everything. Dude, I got to give a shout out to Kane Parsons there. He was 16 when he made that movie. Definitely. I mean, that is a beautiful piece of art. And for someone to be so young and be able to express themselves so well, I, I think that's awesome. And have such an expansion or, you know, expanded mind to be thinking about the back rooms and just how creepy they really are and joining that with liminal space. It goes to show you that no matter how young you are, if you're out there and you're, you know, 13, 14, 15, and you have an idea and you want to express your creativity, go for it. Yep. And the more the more people tell you that it's ridiculous and that you're not going to succeed in it, that's when you know. Keep going forward. You definitely will. All right. So we're going to get into this next section. We told you last or told you a little bit ago of the name Claire Shulin. And we're going to get into a little bit about what she's about. Now, she says that she claims that she and her friends were staying at an Airbnb above an abandoned mall. Clarence Shulin became an Internet sensation overnight after she shared a video on TikTok of what she claimed was an abandoned mall under the Airbnb she and her friends were staying in. Her initial post received more than 7 million views, prompting her to do a multi-part series about the creepy abode. Videos show Shulin and her friends exploring the seemingly abandoned space, complete with carpeted backrooms, dusty furniture, and empty storefronts. While she wouldn't disclose the location of her Airbnb until she left, commenters, se- commenters seem confident that it's the former hotel in Hollywood Beach, Florida. This is the Hollywood Beach Resort in Florida, and it's being renovated, one TikTok user commented. A different commenter confirmed that the Hollywood Beach location was it, claiming that the resort was once a hospital, adding to the creepiness. Another TikToker, known on the platform of Whom Josh, confirmed the existence of a creepy mall space in a video of his own. He explains that he and his friends stayed at the same, rundown, sketchy Airbnb during spring break from college, and compared it to the weird simulation glitch. According to his post, his experience there was similar to Shulin's, though he also describes the existence of a working cafe inside the mall. Another video of Shulin's depicts this cafe filled with people. The Hollywood Beach Resort dates back to 1925 and was once a luxurious hotspot. According to the Sun Sentinel, it it briefly functioned as a school for naval officers, then a Bible school, before being turned into condos. The Ocean Walk Mall was added in 1988 and put up for sale only a year later and it's unclear whether the building and mall are being renovated. Her video is pretty wild. I like the video. It is absolutely abandoned, not one human. Yeah, because they're just they're walking through this hall and I guess it's downstairs in the basement is what it, what it's stated on on the video and they open up this door and the door leads to this abandoned mall. And her and her friend, I mean, they show themselves walking through it. Not another soul in there. And it looks like they're having fun, but at the same time, 
look on the girls' faces is like, yo, what the heck is going on? It looks wild. It's like they're half-stepping everywhere. Yeah, and it, I mean, and that's the, the feeling that liminal spaces creates because they're there, nothing's open, they shouldn't be there, or everybody else should be there. Do you remember the Point Mall? I do. Well, that mall had been there for years, and I believe it currently is not. Don't believe it's there anymore. But here's the thing. That space, I don't think, is occupied because the way the buildings are set up, it was kind of in the back of the corner, and I really wouldn't be surprised if behind the cement where that corner is, that there is just still a ton of that mall left. I, I would have to imagine. I mean, I think it's creepy now if I just go to like one of our local malls here um, because the malls used to be the place to be. People used to go there and they would hang out all day and they would eat and shop. And uh, where are you going? I'm going to Sears. Okay, we're going to JCPenney. I'll we'll meet, meet you back. at <laughs> Yeah, I'll meet you back here in an hour. But it was a whole. But now if you go. It's just a really, it's depressing. Some stores are open, some aren't, and some are in that in between spot yeah. where, yeah, they might be open. Uh, are you open? There's a shop guy in there, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and he's you know not excited to see you're not getting any good customer service. No, and there's a couple corridors that that a couple of the malls near us, and you turn and you're really not going to see anybody, and it it looks weird. I don't like the feeling, but at the same time, I have nostalgia for it when they were hustling and bustling. You, you miss it. It's, it's that point where something's over and it's never going to be again. And you miss it and you want it to be that same way again, but it's not. It never will be. You can never go home. All right. So this next section we're going to go into is uh, talking about a time traveler from 2027. And he posts a bizarre video of himself as the last person on Earth. A man claiming to be a time traveler stuck in the year 2027 is determined to prove skeptics wrong with his latest post, in which he shared airy footage of a deserted city in a bid to show he's the last person on Earth. TikToker Javier, going by the name Only Survivor, has racked up over 6 million followers through sharing his solo adventures as a time traveler by filming abandoned places, buildings, and cars. He's even previously warned that human extinction is just a few years away. But of course, people have their doubts over the TikToker's outlandish claims, believing it to be fake and that he is simply visiting places when they are quiet. So, now Javier has directly responded to a commenter who asked for further proof by posting footage of his view from the top floor of the Barcelona hotel he's currently residing in. The clip filmed in the daytime shows what usually would be a busy city junction, but in Javier's video, it's completely empty and it looks so it looks so it looks pretty abandoned as he described. Waking up changes place. Javier added in the comments section, I'm trapped between 2021 and 2027. I'm in a world parallel to yours. Though despite hitting back at the critics with the clip, many still didn't believe the TikTok story and were pointing out a number of discrepancies within the video. One person wrote, it's obviously a video from back in the lockdown when no one was out. My garden gets overgrown in less than a week, but all the landscaping here remains perfect with no, with no tending. 
Amazing how the traffic lights are still working, someone else added. This was taken during the lockdown. Every, everywhere was like a ghost town. How did the red car get parked there? In the night video, there was no red car, or a, four, a fourth person replied. Meanwhile, skeptics were also quick to point out that a bird appeared to survive whatever disaster supposedly happened on Earth, as it was spotted flying in the sky within the first second of the TikTok. He forgot the bird to, there's a bird at the beginning. A bird in this one? Hmm. Whether you believe Javier or not, either way, the TikToker is racking up the views as people point out clues. So we guess he's, a re he's the real winner here. We'll have to wait another six years to see if he's right. Though Javier isn't the only person claiming to be a time traveler on social media platform. Another TikTok, Aesthetic Time Warper, who said they were from the year 2714, made some bizarre predictions, including aliens were going to land on Earth on August 11th and start a war with humanity. Well, we all know that that didn't come true. But what's interesting about uh, the time traveler, only survivor, is that even though some of these critics are pointing things out, he not, he, he doesn't say that he understands what's going on or he doesn't understand uh, the rules of this luminal space or liminal space. I mean, for them to say there's a bird, but it never was really said that whether there was a disaster or, well, or I was just going to say or anything else that they were pointing out. One of the uncanny things is his access to um, restricted areas. So he is able to go inside police stations, hospitals, even a military installation. Well, he stole two police cars in one of his videos. Right. And the, I mean, the highest security, he's inside this military installation walking up to, you know, the equivalent of like a Humvee. And it's just, too much access for somebody to have exactly so i highly recommend checking them out you know you of course you be the judge but you know real or not it's some pretty incredible video and like we always say here you can either believe it and take it at face value or it can just be entertainment or for fun steve do you want to take us out of the back rooms well here's the thing you may wake up someday or uh, figure out that you're in a back room, just kind of like come to and you're in a back room and you're walking around, you're in these hallways, you're in a maze, you can't get out, you don't know what to do, you start to panic, you think to yourself, what am I going to do? So, Foltz and I compiled a way for you to get out. It's it. So listen up, this is the part in the show, if you end up in the back rooms, that you're going to want to remember. The way out. The way out is widely regarded as the exit to the back rooms. The way out will appear differently for everyone, though it will always be flooded in intense yellow light. So far, the only person who is known to have truly escaped is a person only known by their Reddit handle, Ignomatic Eva. The way out is capable of randomly manifesting on any floor, though the chance of that is 1 times 10 to the negative 27th power, which is calculated to have up to 560 digits but there are so many digits it's hard for a computer to calculate so occurring makes it even more of a rare event it also seems that the way out leads to a random location however it seems that whoever finds their way out for at least a while does not end up in their original reality shortly after exiting agnomatic eva noticed numerous anomalies scattered around what they thought was their reality. Some of the anomalies included an alarming amount 
of closed caption TV cameras, way more than what was normal. They still couldn't get rid of that signature buzzing in their head. And there was an apparent lack of any other form of life, including humans. Everything was deserted from the cars on the streets to the buildings and airports. Thus, they were essentially stuck and could not travel for very long. Now, Agnomatic Eva referred to a certain them in a thread reply. Whether this is backroom beings or a product of the corrupted reality they found themselves in is unknown. It seems that they are sentient and most likely hostile. Eva noted that they traversed the whole globe whilst in the back rooms, suggesting that certain locations within the back rooms correspond to real-life locations. Eva's from the United States, but ended up in what is downtown London, or even in a particular call of some familiar voice or a strange feeling, a feeling of home nearby. That's very awesome. Soon after these events... Eva replies, Eva's replies became garbled and incoherent. However, looking at their Reddit history, it seems that they have resumed a normal life. It seems that one exists, one, excuse me, it seems that when one exits the back rooms, the front rooms and the back rooms overlap and they meld together, essentially glitching out a reality before it slowly rectifies. This can be found by coming out of the way out after going in the way in. Now, you just may find yourself with that dark and nostalgic feeling. Yeah. I mean, uh, like we were talking about in in one article, is that uh, people were saying that, oh, he's taking these pictures during the lockdown. Well, I have to say, when me and Steve were going back and forth to each other's houses during the lockdown, like the first early stages of like the first, within the first two weeks, going over to Steve's house and it would just be eerie. There wouldn't be a car on the road. Like I was nervous as heck driving because you didn't know what was what. Are you going to get pulled over? And they're going to be like, what are you doing out? It's a pandemic. It was like before anybody had like any information so, and Steve, I know you experienced the same, right? Well, yeah, coming uh, w- coming over here was rough. I always felt great when I made it. Going back to my house, there's a particular stretch of road where I have to go over a bridge. And on the other side of the bridge, both the side streets are blind. So it would be the perfect place for a cop to sit. And I always knew going through, there was like running the gauntlet. And it's just dark back there. To- yeah, it's, it's a run up to a stop sign on a hill. And I, I always knew that that was where it was going to happen. And every time I got there, it was like the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And when I got past there, I was like, freedom. Yeah, and that was a liminal space. I mean, it was just an area that you're familiar with. Or and it just doesn't seem right because nobody else is there. I mean, it could. I mean, that that's when it would be scary for you to fall into the back rooms. It would be like on a drive like that. You, you got to pull yourself out of it, man. When you feel yourself starting to slide like that, you feel like that dark feeling, that kind of nostalgic-y but super scary spot. And you look around, and all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, I got to change this." Change, change your environment, change whatever you can, because if you continue to run down that path, there's a very good chance you could get stuck in a backrooms situation. 
it's so true. And don't don't get floored into the back rooms. You got to fight it, and just fight it off. And uh, you know, you got to the way out is the way out, and the way in is the way that you went in. So you can you too can survive the back rooms. So that's our show on that. Hope you enjoyed it. I thought it was so interesting. Putting it together was so much fun, and uh, couldn't wait to get it out. So we hope you enjoyed uh, learning a little bit more about liminal spaces and about the back rooms and the possible 2027 emptiness that is the Earth, the United States, other countries, Europe. So, well, Steve, did you enjoy yourself? I did. uh, Talking about the end of humanity is somewhat morbid, um, but I think that... But alluring at the same time. It's necessary. Yeah, if you... If you find yourself in a situation, it's always better to have pre-planned of how you're going to get out, to know a little bit about it, um, before you find yourself just walking down hallway after hallway, lost in a maze, and panicking. And until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. We'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.